How do you do, neighbor? It's Bree and Spirits time once again. The boys have gathered around, and they're ready for you. So join in, make comments, and study with the guys as they try to study as the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. And now, here's the guys. Welcome back to today's episode of Berean Spirits. This ugly mug is Chris Peltz, the evangelist with the Southside Church of Christ in Springfield, Missouri. We've got Josh Thornhill with the Brookmead Church of Christ over in Johnson City, Tennessee. Josh, welcome back. How you doing? I am good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and we're we're glad to have you back. Yeah. Yeah. You glad to have this ugly mug back? Are you? Well, well, I don't know about that part, but the rest of you. <laughs> like I wasn't listening last week. Is that? <laughs> did, 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 did we talk about that? Yeah, right. <laughs> Richard, it, it was all Richard. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, that's right. Richard Dodson with the Kearney Church of Christ up in Kearney, Missouri. Rich, how you doing, man? You know, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, that's now four Super Bowls. In five years, uh, two in a row. I don't know, Josh. What do you think? I mean, that's yeah, that's that's uh, that's something, isn't it? It's not the first time they've had two in a row, though, is it? No, but, but four and five years, but they haven't won them all, they lost one, yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens in just over a week. Well, I tell you what, I, I'm pretty happy about making the Super Bowl. I mean, you guys can be Debbie Downers if you want to be about it, but I'll be I mean, the... I'm gonna be rooting for the Chiefs, no doubt, but I will say this. I will be extremely happy for Brock Purdy, uh, if the 49ers win, if he if he pulls out a win in the Super Bowl, I I'd I I'd be extremely happy for him. <laughs> Why? I because I I like him. I, I think he's a great not only a great quarterback, I just think uh he's actually a humble guy. I mean, not intending to do any type of segue into our program, but he really comes across as a as a very genuine and humble guy. And I you know Well you you should have been rooting for the Harbaugh's then uh uh Jim and John Harbaugh, the the uh you know, they're they're the I mean they're not Christians. But uh, they they have Christian beliefs. I mean, they they believe in. In fact, they even quote scripture after the game. And so, I mean, yeah, that's uh, there's a lot of you know there's a lot of athletes doing that now. After uh, the networks, uh, they edited one of the athletes. You know, after the game remarks, he wanted to thank the Lord. I think it was that Stroud guy down at uh, Houston. Houston, yeah. Yeah, and they wanted to edit his remarks. He was trying to thank the Lord, and they just cut that out. And so now a whole bunch of them are just like, you know, going overboard, saying uh, we're not gonna, we're not going to do this. And so they're just right off the bat, wherever they're at, they're thanking the Lord, which I'm, I'm glad they're doing that. I'm I'm glad they acknowledge that. But uh, I heard that Jim Harbaugh had told his players that if they end up know getting a girl pregnant and you know the girl's thinking about aborting it and he said don't bring it to me i'll i'll adopt it yeah so, that speaks a a lot about him 
Yeah, that that's that's impressive. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. That's great. I mean, we need more like that anyway. I mean, that's a it just goes to the moral fabric of our society and the fact that you know we would look at that that should be a natural reaction. But instead, mm-hmm. that seems to be the exception rather than the rule in today's right. society, which is unfortunate. Right. So, wow. Um, well, with that said, we are going to be talking about humility and the role that humility plays in the life of a Christian. And I, I think this is something that is is not only important and, and uh, uh, certainly timely for us to look at. We've talked about pride and and I think we talked a little bit, we hit on some aspects of humility when we talked about pride, but Josh, if I go to you first, um, why is humility so important? And why is this subject something that we ought to be talking about uh, for those who, you know, especially for the, in, in the life of a Christian? Well, uh, first of all, I guess we could say, you know, just very simply in general, that humility is important because God commands it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, well, that's not something to overlook. Yeah, right. I mean, you're right. You're right. I mean, if God says it, I mean, that, that, that settles it. You know, we have no, no right to question it, no right to, uh, you know, to, to deny it. And so I think that's a huge point, but Again, you know, a lot of times we we do better at doing things when we understand why. You know, it's like your parents telling you go clean your room. It's like, well, is somebody coming over? Like, well, no, I just want you to clean your room. You know, I you're just kind of un- trying to understand. Well, is there a, a specific reason why? You know, at the end of the day, you know, do it because they told you, but. We do like to understand why we're being told. And I think uh, with humility, we see so many warnings. And I think we did a a lesson on pride a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Pride is going to hinder us from our relationship with God. Uh, We need to be humble if we are going to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. Because it takes a humble person to deny themselves. Like Jesus says in Matthew 16 and verse 24. Uh, it takes a humble person to confess their sins, as we're told to do in uh, James 5 and, and 1 John 1. It takes a humble person to be willing to, to change their life and to be willing to acknowledge, I, I, I'm not going to walk that way anymore. That, that only gave me heartache and destruction. When I was leading myself, uh, then you know I, things didn't turn out well, but I'm going to turn to the Lord who can guide me in a better way. That takes humility and to be able to follow the leading of God is something that's going to require humility. And if we don't have humility in our lives, then we're not going to, we will not be who God wants us to be. And that's going to present various different problems that is going to hinder us in our relationship with God. Yeah. And, and, when it comes to humility, obviously the you know we'd consider that to be kind of the opposite of pride. But uh, humility, to me, when it comes to yes, it is commanded. Generally, when God commands something, there there is a purpose to it, right? It's for our benefit, 
um, to uh, whether it's some type of training, whether it is in in reflecting his character uh, to the world around us, it it makes us better people, makes us uh, you know, uh, it, it just overall is like a self improvement. But humility takes the focus off ourselves, and, and I think that's a bigger aspect of a lot of these things that we're going to talk about. When you talk about how humility is is necessary for the the all the things that you mentioned and more, it it helps because it does take that focus off ourselves. It, it puts focus, or it causes us to put focus both on God and on those around us. And when that's the case, we I think we become better servants as a whole, Richard. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. Uh, to me, it centers around knowing your place, knowing your rightful place, because too many times, you know, like my dad used to tell me when I was getting in trouble, you're getting too big for your britches, meaning that, you know, I was thinking a little too highly of myself. And, you know, that's not a good thing when you're a kid and your dad tells you something like that. But all too often, that's what we do with the Lord is, you know, we don't know our place. And uh, we we start wanting to direct our own steps. And, uh, and that's always a dangerous thing. If we're going to worship God, we're going to have to bow down the knee. And if we're going to bow to God, then there, you know, that's not going to happen unless you humble yourself before him. And the only way that's going to happen is to know your place, is to understand that he is God and you are what is created. And, and so it, it, it all revolves around that. And then when you start understanding that, you know, you're, you are below God, then that, the commandments that Josh was talking about come into play. You know, when God tells us to be humble and uh, uh, to not uh, well, to think of others as, as more important than ourselves, then we have to start thinking about how did Jesus manifest it? Because if anyone, you know, deserved not to be humble, I think it would be the Son of God. But yet he did humble himself. I mean, he, he, he left heaven and came to this earth and uh, uh, took on the flesh. And, you know, he, he lived a life as a, uh, not a rich man at all. And so when we see something like that, the way he was willing to humble himself to help us, then if we want to be Christ-like, we're going to have to learn from that lesson. I mean, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, you know, it talks about how with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, you know, everything that we do in our service to God and our obedience to God should, you know, it has to revolve around humility, knowing your place and being content with that, because once we uh, once we start losing that, when we're no longer content with being, you know, you know, bowing at the feet of God, that pride's already 
showed its ugly face. And that's, that's always a dangerous, dangerous thing. And and let's, let's go throughout history. When has man ever gotten into trouble? It's when pride has entered in. And so, you know, knowing your place in with humility, I mean, that's, that's just, man, you gotta have it. That's just, it's essential. If you want to go to heaven, humility is essential in order to be able to go there. Well, absolutely. But also, you know, you talked a lot about service, right? About serving, whether it's serving God or serving others, right? I mean, that's when you look at the example of Christ, as you pointed out from Ephesians, but also Philippians chapter 2, you know, uh, you know, he he left his habitation, he came to this earth and made himself a servant, right? And we're to follow his example. We're we're to put others first. Think of the things of others ahead of ourselves. And humility is a hindrance to that. Or, or without humility, we are hindered from doing that. And not only are we hindered from doing that, it's not that you can't serve without humility. But what pro- the problem arises in the fact that it, when you do serve without humility, it's because you're serving for the accolades. You're serving for the pat on the back. You're serving for the notoriety. And, and so again, you know that that aspect of pride has come in and overshadowed any any service that you may have done uh, without humility. And I mean, humility is at the, the center of those things. And I think it goes hand in hand with love from first Corinthians 13 in a lot of ways, because the characteristics of love, it, I, you know, when you look at first Corinthians 13 verses four through eight, so often those characteristics are hand in hand with humility. And, and so, um, you know, that, I think that's important for us to recognize as well. So you're saying humility reveals the motive? Uh, Yeah, I I would think so. Yeah, I I think I'd agree with that too. Humility does reveal the motive. And and so we got to be, that's why it's so important to know your place. And, um, you know, we're going to have to make sure that uh, when we we do these things and our service to each other, you know, we, we need to be careful as to like why we're doing it. Now, another example that I'd like to throw out is the, um, the family relationship. And in this day and age, you know, when, when you consider the commands the Lord has for the wife in, in the family relationship, yeah, and you compare that with what has been accepted as the standard in our society, you know, the wife is going to, you know, to be a God-fearing family, the wife, as well as the husband, but I'm, well, I'm just want to focus on the wife for right now, as well as the children too. But the wife has to reject things that the world is telling them because, you know, in Ephesians 5.22, the wife is to submit to her husband. And so that means she has to humble herself. She has to Basically, you know, as we've been talking about, uh, is to understand her role. And that doesn't mean she's any less of a person than the husband, but that is her role. And so for to fulfill her role, you know, she has to humble herself when you compare it to the world. 
And, uh, and, and I, that's a hard, that's a temptation that can be really difficult. Uh, I remember my wife when she was going to college years ago, uh, she was a very successful student. And, uh, one of her professors asked her, you know, what are you going to do when you graduate? And she said, well, I'm, I'm planning on being a housewife. And he's like, what a waste of life. Now that is the way the world looked at it, but that's not the way my wife looked at it. My wife was thinking, you know, that she wanted to try to help her family and the best way she could help her family would be under his eyes to humble herself and being obedient to God. And so even in the family, when we're talking about humility, and, and you know, many people don't consider it humility, but whenever you are, you know, obedient, you know, pl placing yourself in submission to someone else, you know, you're, you're, you are humbling yourself before God by trying to obey him. And, and so, uh, and I mean, obey God. And so that is just one aspect of it where it's essential. I mean, there's various things, you know, we can say it about the husband as well. You know, he has to be willing to lead his family in such a way as Christ leads the church. And, and he was willing to give himself up for the church, which is, again, that's a lot different than what the world says. But uh, if he's going to submit to God, then he's going to have to humble himself. Uh, in other words, he's going to have to put his family, you know, his family's needs above his own. And, uh, and that, uh, again, that's, that's just showing how essential humility is because without that, we do not have God fearing families. And right now in this world, that's what we need more of God fearing families. Josh, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and, and I, I kind of think back to, you know, Richard's point earlier about knowing our place. Um, I think you, you have an example of that in the Bible with Joseph. When Joseph's brothers, obviously, you know, you know, they mistreated him. And then they come back and you know, they don't recognize him, but he knows who they are. And then when they realize who he is, they're a bit afraid. And then once Jacob has passed away, now they're thinking, oh, he was nice to us because Jacob was alive. But now that Jacob's died, he's going he's gonna to take his revenge on us. But jo Joseph says, um, where, where does he say this? In Genesis chapter 50, um, he asks the question, am I in the place of God? Um, uh, I can't remember. I'm looking at the chapter right here, but I can't find that specific. Um, uh, phrase but anyway you know he he asked that question am i in the place of god he recognizes uh, that there are certain things that belong in the realm of god and there are certain things that belong uh, within his place and i think richard's right in that oh that, that kind of hurt to say no i'm just kidding um <laughs> I, I think he's right in that you know if we don't understand our place uh, then that's going to lead to a lack of reverence first and foremost, and it's going to lead to a lot of uh, of other problems. Uh, you look at Romans chapter one. Why does all this sin and depravity take place? Because they don't honor God as God. They don't recognize their place. 
and they don't give God his place. And all of that kind of stems back to, to pride uh, or a lack of humility and understanding who we are and understanding who God is. And so um, I think there was another point that I was going to add there. I think that ties in as well with the, the family relationships. Why are families not what God wants them to be? Because they don't have the humility um, that that to submit themselves to, to God and recognize that we are his creation and we are subject to him and, and the roles that he has given us and that we need to, to submit ourselves to that and to, you know, to um, be the, the husband's wives, fathers, mothers, children, whoever it is that God wants us to be. And so mm-hmm. um, I just found it Genesis 50 and verse 19, by the way. Uh, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I think the lack of humility is the reason why there's all the issues that we're we're facing in our society. Ultimately, it boils uh, stems from that. You now know, I, uh, go ahead, Richard. No, no, I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I, I think everything that you guys have mentioned again, I think, goes back kind of to the point that was made earlier about. You know, taking our folk, you know, taking the focus off of ourselves. You know, Richard, while he started talking about the wife, he 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 ended up, you know, pointing out that even as a husband, the focus is on the family rather than himself. And 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 I think too often that becomes the issue is again, where is our focus? Is it upon serving God and serving others, or is it upon serving ourselves? What can we give to uh, a cause as opposed to what can we get from a cause, whether that cause is for God or any other thing? Um, But there is a question, and I'll I'll let you make your point, Richard, but I want to come back to this particular question and give you guys some time to think about this. But, you know, when it comes to um, humility, how do we respond? I mean, when, when we receive praise, Right. Sometimes that's a difficult thing. And and sometimes humility um, is, you know, um, well, I mean, how do we how do we receive praise? I, I think is, I guess, really just a question that we could ask. But uh, go ahead, Richard. Then I want to come back to that. Well, obviously, you come to the right person with that, because I have so much experience receiving <laughs> praise. Don't get that, very much praise. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I do want to make one point here. Uh, I want to hang on just a second here. I, I do want to, before I get into my point, preacher Riley says, you see, God makes something and the devil tries to destroy it. The devil's attacking family values. And I really person, and I really personally is, is up to us to protect what God made. And, you know, he makes a good point. Uh, I don't know him, but he does make a good point because God has a work that God is trying to accomplish. And sometimes God doesn't disclose it. Sometimes he does. We don't know unless it's manifested in the, in the Bible. And, uh, and some things are. And if we don't know our place, if we are not showing humility, we can be interfering with God's work. And I'll, I'll give you one that is shown in the Bible. Uh, it's in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and, uh, and verse 13. It says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Now think about that. It was for the Lord's sake. Now that doesn't 
that's meaning, you know, the Lord's doing something here and he needs you to submit without really knowing what's going on. But then he goes and reveals that. And uh, he says it is the uh, that, that he has these people in place in verse 14, governors or uh, these people are, are sent by the Lord for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that, who do well. And so the Lord has a purpose for government and he wants us to submit to these laws uh, as long as those laws do not violate God's rules, according to Acts 5. But he wants us to submit to these laws because the, the Lord's trying, he's got a work he's trying to accomplish. And if you don't show humility by submitting, you're interfering with that work. And, and that can be said all throughout every aspect of our service to God. You know, there are some things we may not understand why God wants us to show humility, uh, why God does, why, why God wants us to be humble. We may not understand it, but we have to accept the fact that if we know our place and we do show humility, we're not interfering with a work that the Lord's trying to accomplish. And, you know, hey, does anybody really want to stand in the way of God's work? I wouldn't think that would be a good idea. So uh, that's just one point I wanted to bring up. And then, of course, uh, you were talking about praise. Um, you know, that's something that God can uh, can help with, because I know some preachers are very gifted. Now, now, I'm not one, but I know there are preachers, and I'm not saying that trying to show humility. I, that's To me, it's just that I've heard, you know, tapes of my preaching. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm an average Joe when it comes to a preacher, and that's good. As long as I get the word out, I'm good with that. I don't have to be you know, world-class, but there are some men who are just good orators. I mean, they're very good speakers and they also, you know, speak the truth, which I'm thankful for that. And so many people do uh, give them praise. Um, is it wrong to praise a preacher? No, it's not wrong to praise the preacher, but uh, the preacher is going to have to keep in mind what the apostle Paul told the Corinthians. And, uh, you know, First Corinthians, uh, I, you can go one, two, three, and, and four if you want to, but, uh, you know, that the power is not in the speech. The power is in the Word of God. That's what's going to convert people. And so every preacher always has to keep that in mind when he's speaking. Now, if the Lord gives someone the ability to be a good orator, you know, he should use that in the service of the Lord like Apollos did. You know, Apollos was a good speaker, and he and he used that in the service of the Lord. That's a great thing. I mean, that, but the power, though, the thing that that's going to call man to serve God is the gospel. And as far as humility goes, if that is a problem, you know, if a, if a preacher's in a position where you know that's that's he's going to be hindered, he needs to go to God in prayer. The Lord took care, you know, that thorn in the flesh that the Apostle Paul had that he prayed for three times that it would be removed from him. The Lord left that in there to, to help humble him because of the numerous gifts that he had given him. He didn't want him to be caught up with pride. And so, you know, the Lord, the Lord can watch out and help us 
in battling uh, pride, you know, if we let him. Uh, so if, if we, uh, you know, and when Paul was even told that, you know, he had, uh, he had to accept that. I mean, that's something, that's another aspect of humility is accepting the answer of the Lord. It may not be the answer that you want, but, uh, that, you know, that's where another aspect of humility comes in. Go ahead, Josh. Um, kind of touching on what Richard was saying there, I, I kind of reminded of, of Paul, as he you know, spoke to the Corinthians, he says he wanted to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. Um, I've heard one of the things that I remember as I was beginning to preach, people mentioning is that what our goal is, is to hide behind the cross of Christ. And essentially what we're doing is as we're preaching, we want the focus to be on Jesus, on the Lord, on on you know, the gospel, the message, rather than, you know, drawing the attention to ourselves, because if the attention is brought to ourselves, we're doing it wrong. And, you know, certainly it's going to take some some humility to be willing to uh, preach that way, you know, where you're willing to, you know, obviously you're standing in front of people and you're speaking and your goal is to, essentially be immaterial to whatever it is or the message that that you are trying to bring so that Christ can be magnified and you're just merely hiding behind uh, the cross of Christ so that way you know you're not you're you're bringing all the glory and the honor to him and so um certainly i think that's a a big part of of preacher or preaching you know, that's a good point because, uh, in Acts seven with Stephen, he was preaching what they needed to hear. Now, if, you know, to do that, you're going to need humility because they're going to hate you for it. If he was preaching for the praise of men, he would not have preached what he did. And so that's like Josh saying, that's, that's an aspect of humility is by preaching the truth, preaching what people need to hear instead of what they may want to hear because you want to receive their praise. So that, Chris, is probably a big aspect of it is giving the people what they need to hear um, instead of giving them what you think they're going to praise you for. Tickling uh, what, their ears. Yes, because if we, uh, if we do that, then, <laughs> yeah, they're not going to... Uh, uh, you know, they're going to, they may act like they did with Stephen. Well, it's, and it's not just with preachers, right? I mean, you have song leaders, you have anyone who does any type of service for the Lord. You know, we, we can give thanks. We can, uh, show our appreciation to them. Um, you know, even, even with some of the ladies, whether or not it's in the, in the Bible teaching, it's in, you know, uh, the way they, they go about engaging with visitors, um, you know, cleaning the building, just various things that they may do in service. You know, we ought to praise them. We ought to thank them. We ought to express appreciation for the things that they do. But sometimes, you know, they, they struggle receiving that praise. And in part, I think it is because of humility. Humility, I, I think, puts us sometimes in an uncomfortable situation when we are being praised. Um but then there are others that certainly, as 
you and and I loved how you put it, Richard. Um, and and uh, you may say it again because I may mess it up, but humility exposes motive. I think maybe what you said. Yeah, it's a manifestation of your it, motives. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, sometimes that you know that comes about as well. Uh, and so, uh, it, it is important for us to encourage one another. And I think sometimes praise is how we encourage one another in showing, you know, that it, it is being seen, you know, we, we know that God sees the things that we do. We know that God is aware of everything, every thought, every word, every action. And, and sometimes even in the most humble of people, it is, you know, it's still good you know, and to know that those around you recognize that. Um, and you may think that that seems a little counterintuitive to humility, but, you know, sometimes it's a motivator. Even for those who are being humble in receiving those things, it's a motivator for the humble to continue in the things that they are doing um, when it comes to the service to others around them. Yeah, but what if they don't receive the praise? You see, if they don't receive the praise, then uh, do they stop serving God by being obedient and doing what he needs to be done? Or, you know, do they start changing what they're doing in order to receive the praise? And, and, and so that, that, that I think that can be a very difficult thing because at first, when you initially started with that question, it was like, well, then they, they've turned the focus back upon themselves. Right? Uh, right, because they're they're wanting that praise, but at the same time, it can be discouraging, you know, because you feel as though you're the only one who's trying to serve and benefit, you know, whoever it is, whether it's a local church, whether it is, you know, someone else, you know, in need, you know, you're focusing upon them. It can become discouraging, even you know, without doing away with humility. Um, if it's not recognized, if it's not known, it's not pointed out, sometimes it can be very discouraging uh, as though it's being done, you know, for not. And that turns our focus back again to what you brought up at the very beginning, that God is to be at the center of all this. We need to remember who it is we're serving. You know, you brought up First Peter 2. You go down to verse 18 and talk about that servant who is with a a master who's evil and and just very abusive and he tells them remember when you do these when you work for them and they're abusive and they're mean and they're just terrible towards you you need to remember that you're doing this for the lord the lord is the one who is going to give you your reward um and you know just try, trying to keep that focus um and it's easy to say. Sometimes it is hard to do. It's very hard to do. There's nothing about Christianity that's easy. I don't think. Let's <laughs> uh, say. Uh, I mean, you know, there. Are, I guess there's aspects of it that could be easy, but you know, all of us battle uh, with uh, the discipline that it's going to take in order to be complete in Christ. Uh, there's always going to be something that all of us struggle with. And uh, humility many times can be that very thing. I mean, humility is that that problem that many of us struggle with. I'm, I, you know, I remember fishing with Chris. Chris. Chris just whips me to pieces every time we fish. And uh, wait till I join you. 
I'll tell you what, you know, you you don't know. Sometimes it gets really, really bad. I mean, I have seen Chris when I caught a fish. I've heard him under his breath think, oh, thank you, Lord, because he was feeling so bad. He was catching so many fish. And see, I have to tie on his hook. So, I mean, you know, it's like I'm helping him out getting with his fish, help tie on the hook. And and so, I mean, when he, when he's like smoking me so bad, he starts feeling kind of guilty about it. He wants me to catch some. I don't think he wants me to out fishing. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> like smoke me. And it happens, you know, quite a bit. And I can remember one day thinking, you know, maybe it's good. Maybe it's good that, uh, you know, I mean, cause Chris is blind. Maybe it's good that, you know, he does outfish me because, uh, there's a lot of things that I'm getting to enjoy here that he doesn't because he's blind and where we fish at, it's one of the most beautiful places you'll ever see. And he doesn't get that, but I do. And so, you know, I was sitting there thinking, you know, maybe I'm just not being humble. And that's, that's, um, that, that's something that uh, is difficult. Um, you know, when you start thinking about the various things that where uh, humility can be applied is, is looking for situations that we can apply humility, looking for things, you know, like, hey, you know, what might be better here? I mean, did you ever think that maybe it's it's better the way things are. Maybe it's better that somebody is a better preacher than you. Maybe it's better that uh, somebody is is uh, getting a praise at doing something than you are. Maybe it's better that way. And I think uh, a lot of times, you know, if we allow humility to come in, we can look at things differently, and we might start seeing a benefit to something than uh, than uh, what we may be currently feeling because our feelings are getting crushed because we don't feel like we're as good as the other person. Even re- rejoice with those who rejoice, I think, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, I, I mean, you know, the thing that hit me when we were sitting there, I was like, here I am, you know, enjoying everything. And I got a brother who can't enjoy everything. And yet I'm upset because he's out fishing me. And I'm like, is that really so bad? You know, when you compare, I mean, is that really so bad? At least, you know, he had something that I didn't. And, uh, and so, you know, that's, I don't, I'm just saying we need to look at things a little differently sometimes to help us get through life because if we just start comparing ourselves with each other and comparing what one person, you know, Josh gets a new truck. I don't get a new truck. Oh yeah. I get jealous. You know, that's, that's, you know, we're, we're missing out on a great aspect of Christianity when we don't practice humility. Yeah. And there's so many things that we're just oblivious to. And I know Christianity is hard, and I know the application of humility is difficult. Uh, At least it is for me. But when you practice it, when you think about it, when you do it, I'm telling you there's things that are taking place that you just don't see. 
because your pride's in the way. It's blinding you. That's yeah. that's my two cents. Go ahead, Josh. Um, and to that point that Richard makes there, I'm reminded of um, James writes it and Peter writes it as well, where he says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Um, and and so when you're lacking humility, obviously you're you're hindering your own relationship with God. You can't draw near to God if you haven't humbled yourself. That's what it requires to draw near to God, humbling ourselves before him. And so, you know, I, I forget exactly how he worded it there, something about you miss something in your your faith or, or whatever he says when you, you lack humility. And you miss a lot. You miss your relationship with God entirely when you lack humility. And so it is a very serious thing and it's very important that we uh, reflect upon ourselves as i said a, a couple weeks ago when we did our, our lesson on pride uh, it's one of the hardest things to see in ourselves and, and it's so vitally important that we take a critical look at ourselves to ensure uh, that we strip ourselves of pride so that we can be the humble people that god god wants us to be realizing that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so yeah, if we want to experience and rest and live in that grace, then we, uh, we ought to, to seek to be humble. You hinder your relationship with God, and then you hinder your relationship with others as well. Yep. And that's, that's the sad part. And, and then you can even also go off to say you hinder your relationship with God's creation. I mean, think you got two different people who look up to the stars at night. One looks up to the stars and says, look at God's creation, how beautiful it is. And another one looks up there and, you know, he doesn't even have God in his thoughts. And, you know, he has hindered his ability to marvel at the handiwork of God. And that's, that's such a sad thing. Uh, you, you just miss that. If you can go to some of these national parks like Glacier National Park, I remember going through Glacier National Park when I went through it, and I was just blown away by its beauty. And I'm like, you know, I'm, the, what really hit me was if the Lord is made this in six days, you know, what's he been doing all the time he's been gone? How great is heaven going to be? you know, because he went to prepare a place for us. And, and you see somebody who comes in and, and they just think, well, you know, this was formed over billions and billions of years, you know, through uh, volcanic eruptions and the glaciers and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that, that they're missing out on hope. They're missing out on an aspect of hope because they are not humbling themselves before God. Josh, any last thoughts? Yeah, you know, sometimes we tend to think about things like if I were in this person's shoes, if I were, um, if I if I had a million dollars, this is what I would do. Or if I were in this guy's shoes, if if I were president, this is what I would do. If I uh, had this particular circumstance, you know, this is the kind of thing I would do. Well, what would Jesus do if he stepped into our shoes? Well, he did. 
and he took on flesh, he became a man, and he lived, uh, dwelt among us. And, and we find in, in Philippians 2 and verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, what did he do? He says he humbled himself by become, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So you have the God of heaven placing himself in our shoes, and what did he do? He humbled himself. And then you continue on verse 9, God also highly exalted him. And we have that very same promise in 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. When we humble ourselves, ultimately we will be exalted at the proper time by God. God will exalt us at the end when we humble ourselves. And so if that's what Jesus did, if that's how Jesus lived, certainly that's the way that we we ought to live our lives as well. Amen to that. Richard, last thoughts? No, I think that's a good pl- good way to end it. I agree. I agree. Folks, we appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to Berean Spirits. Remember, you can also check us out on podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcast um, app, and uh, just search for Berean Spirits. And, uh, and be sure, if you haven't already, hit the like, hit the subscribe, share out the program with all your friends and family. We appreciate that as well. Until next time, remember... Search the scriptures with Berean spirits. Well, folks, that's all for today. Don't worry. Lord willing, the guys will be back next week for another Bible study on Berean spirits. Until then, let the guys hear from you. Drop them some email at bereanspirits at gmail.com. They'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep studying that Bible.